Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. The talk can be lightning. It's very, very frightening. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Yeah. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, please introduce yourselves on the microphone so the listeners know what you sound like. Um, my name is Kevin Heffernan, and uh, go ahead. Thank you. May I? May yeah. I? Or do you want to do I'm it for me? I'm kind of controlling, me? so I was hoping to introduce you to Introduce me. Introduce me, please. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Steve Lemmy. Oh, thank you, Kevin. There I'm you Steve. <laughs> thank you guys for being here. What's, what's your deal? What's your deal? Um, what, is, what is your who, deal? Who the hell are you? Who That's are a you good guys? question. That's a good uh, question. Wait, uh, I'm, I am curious. Uh, so you guys do the, the Broken Lizard yep. uh, films and everything else yep. uh, that falls under the Broken Lizard banner. Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys writing partners? Yeah, but I, I think... Technically? It, uh, I mean, certainly in, in, in the stuff we're working on now, Steve and I do lettering together, but we actually, I mean, Broken Lizard... There's five of us, mm-hmm. and so all five of us wrote together collaboratively. And those are group. writers and performers, right? Yeah, we were all, everyone was a writer and performer. So, okay. or is, I, and yeah. I apologize. This may be well-trod, but yeah. how, how did that—I mean, maybe you can give me the brief version. I'm sure you've told it a million times. But how did, uh, how did the Broken Lizard troupe kind of come together and then start finding success? Do you want the short version or the long version? <laughs> I want the short version because I'm good going version. to— I'm going to interrupt you a bunch with more okay. questions. So, yeah. The short short version is we met in college. We all went to Colgate University mm-hmm. together. And uh, Kevin and Jay were starting up a sketch comedy group. And so uh, I auditioned for the group. Uh, a bunch of other people auditioned for it. And we started. We like, almost f- didn't make it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well Kevin, didn't, uh, Kevin didn't like me as a person uh, <laughs> because I had stolen something from him. What? He did. He had stole, he, uh, it was the first time that we had met was uh, because... Uh, we lived in. I lived in a fraternity house, and he would, as a freshman, he came down to some party there. And when you have these parties there, you'd have this. Everyone wore these winter coats because it was freezing there, mm-hmm. and you have a big pile of winter coats on the floor. And so I went one night to get my winter coat to leave, and my coat was gone, <laughs> and somebody had stolen it. And so, uh, like I don't know, a couple of weeks later, I go a couple of weeks out of winter coat, which is hard. I get my I make my coat back. I go down into this uh, lobby or whatever. The coat's sitting there. I'm like, holy cow, my coat's here. And I pick it up, and the idiot who stole it left his college ID in the pocket of it, <laughs> and it was Steve Lemmy. Yeah. Now, in my defense, I had been at this party several weeks earlier, and uh, it was cold out. And I was a freshman, and to get to the freshman dorms, you have to walk up this thing called Cardiac Hill, mm-hmm. which, you know, as legend had it, people had died on that hill. <laughs> Freezing in the winter time. Listen, I, I went to Syracuse. I understand. Okay, there you okay, go. So you, know, you know the CNY. Yeah, Cuse baby Cuse. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, I lifted a coat out of this thing. Now, imagine my surprise when I pick up an overcoat and it and it belongs to this humongous human being here. Like, to, it was like I was a, like a Steve Lemmy uh, burrito at that point in time. Like this thing. The sleeves, like, hung off my hands. <laughs> I reached my hand in the pocket. There was a jumbo Snickers bar in there. Uh-huh. Oh, it's like a gift. Yeah, you, know, you know I ate that of thing. Of course. You know I ate that. That was my Snickers. Yeah. <laughs> but so, so this was like, you know, a gift from the gods, this coat. And so I took it. The thing is, like, the next day, I guess as, as the days were on, it's not like I wore this thing over and over again. So I kind of forgot where I had, sure. where I had acquired it. Sure. And then, uh, but all of this factored in right. when, when he auditioned for it the was a loaded audition. Group. Yeah, it's like that guy, 
By the, put that guy in the comedy amazing. group. Yeah, but although I think what won, won, won me over for Kevin is that uh, when he did confront me about the coat at the party then at the fraternity house, he said, uh, you know, I found your uh, ID in my pocket. And I was like, oh, my God, the same guy who stole my ID must have stolen your coat, <laughs> which slammed the door on that one. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So Reasonable I think, doubt. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, you know, that had a, Touché, a, a part in, uh, in getting me there. Anyway, yeah. so well, I guess this has turned into a longer version. Uh, we did... Uh, uh, four shows as a 14-person comedy group called uh, Charred Goose Beak. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we had such a good time that, uh, well, that's a whole other story, <laughs> naming the the group. Well, that, I feel like that's like, you have to have that as a comedy troupe, especially a college comedy group. Oh, yeah. Right? is a terrible name. Yeah, it's a, a terrible, terrible name. Charred yeah. Goose Beak. And, and the name of the first show was the 19th Annual Festival of Donkeys. Come on. Adorable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, precocious youth. Yeah. Um, okay, so we moved to New York, um, started the group up in New York, and, um, you know, it had whittled down a little bit to, like, nine people. And then, you know, we brought in some outsiders, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, eventually we made a, a short film down in Florida, The Tinfoil Monkey Agenda. And then uh, that was uh, 30 minutes long, and then uh, we made a movie called Puddle Cruiser, which uh, was our first film, uh, feature first film. Feature. Yep. We shot it at Colgate University, but not... Uh, as students, obviously, mm-hmm. it, it was a few years afterwards. We shot it over the summer there, and then uh, from that film, we were able to get raise the money to uh, film Super Troopers, oh, wow. which we sold at Sundance. Um, and there's the short version. Right. Yeah, let's let's uh, go back a little bit and kind of uh, yeah. break these steps down a little bit. So, when the troupe came together, uh, were you guys improvising? Were you writing sketches? How how did it work? And was this you know what you both signed up for? And by the yeah. way, I will was... say this: we we never we never went by troupe. <laughs> we, we we were always scared of the word troop. It's it's weird and theatery. It's well, very theatery, like leotard and Absolutely. jugglers. Yeah, <laughs> and marching around, you know, enthusiastically. No, I don't feel good about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on, go on. Uh, uh, wait, what were we talking about? Were you were oh, you right, writing right. sketches oh, yes. from the get go? Well, uh, uh, Jay Chenersekar, who who uh, was kind of the founding uh, father of it all, he he had done uh, a lot in Chicago. He had done uh, Improv Olympic and uh, oh. some Second City stuff, um, and. Uh, he came back. It was kind of like uh, the intention was to do sketch, to write sketch, mm-hmm. and I think he he was hoping that we would do some improv, but we were like totally, totally inexperienced in it, and and very fearful of improv, and so uh, it, it was basically we would write sketches, and and I think we taught ourselves at that point how how to write sketches because yeah, we had no idea. Although I, you know, it's interesting because I remember when we would meet for our writing sessions, we would actually warm up for the writing sessions with like. 20 minutes of improv games. Right, but I don't really? think I played them. Did you not play I them? I think I just sat on the side and watched. Uh, no, you played them. You sure? I'm I don't positive. Know if I did. I'm positive. Maybe down the road I did. You, that, that actually I didn't want anything truth. to do with improv. And that's, you know, and, and that's, I, I blame myself for that. I mean, I, I wish I was better at it. Well, it's like, I, I still feel that way. Frankly, yeah. like if somebody says, "Oh yeah, it's gonna be this is you want to do an improv show," like like we'll go host the Armandos yeah. Yeah. at the at Improv Olympic now, yeah. which is I hosted a Groundling show a, a little while back. Oh, and you jumped in? I had to. Yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't an issue. I mean, it was uh, it was uh, Jim Rash, our friend Jim Rash, who's mm-hmm. on Community, and uh, 
he he was in charge of the show, and he said, "Oh, Kevin, you're doing this, and you're gonna do that." <laughs> and I'm like, "But I can't." He's like, "Let's go." And then in front of the crowd, he'd be like, "Okay, I need a suggestion for Kevin and whoever else. Let's go." Well, and yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, it's so uncomfortable." It it makes, I wish I was good at it. No, I, <laughs> I, it's such a great skill, and I, I wish that we were more experienced in it. But we went the road of writing sketches mm-hmm. as opposed to doing improv, and I, I think we could have gone the improv route, but we. We yeah, decided I mean, to write. You you do realize in terms of improv that that is a skill that is honed. And oh, it's yeah. a muscle. Absolutely. Yeah, it is a muscle. But just like just like screenwriting and stage sure. writing and all that stuff, mm. once you get once you get into it, Sorry. you realize that there is um, a a certain color by numbers aspect to it. It's like when I watch a film and I'm like, okay, that's the end of Act One uh, plot point. Yeah. It's the end of Act Two low point. Right. You know, you're so cynical. <laughs> right. In in improv, there are things like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. but I don't know what they are. So you guys are, are you you entered into it writing sketches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what kind of sketches were they? What did they look like? And how did you guys kind of learn to work together to write sketches? Or were they kind of were they individually written? Well, I think the easy thing about uh, that environment being in college was that we were able to write sketches about things that everyone had a communal mm-hmm. knowledge of. You know what I mean? So you were able to make fun of the fraternity or that right. uh, local campus cop or that professor, you know what I mean? And it became a very comfortable way to learn how to do it, I think, because that's the the thing that is learning to connect with your audience, I think. And, and we, you know, had harsher realities with that when we got to New York City. But sure. when you're at a, a, an insular, you know, college like that, it becomes kind of easy. Like, we are all in on the joke together, you know what I mean? And so I think that's how we learned. And, and uh, But by the way, I, I feel like that was totally unintentional. You know, it's like... We had, well, you just draw on your material. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was the thing. It's like we had, there was a fraternity who was like a, they were a very dark, sinister fraternity, with legend and lore. Like <laughs> they had a separate chapel that was locked. Like no one had ever been inside this chapel, and there was. And what happened is they got in trouble for hazing, and then the chapel was opened up, and they found these these uh, ledger or somebody had snuck into the the chapel and broken in and, and found these ledgers. Right. Anyway, at a soror, they got kicked off out of their house, and a sorority, like the daintiest sorority. <laughs> was allowed to live in their fraternity house for the year. Right. And so we just did a sketch about, you know... The them. dainty sorority becoming the evil fraternity. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it was it was simple stuff, but, it, like, it was... Uh, everyone... It really hit with the people... Because there wasn't anyone doing like that at the campus, and everyone wanted to laugh collectively at mm-hmm. certain things on campus. So I think it became kind of cool. Although we also... You know, we tried other stuff. Like, Kevin and I wrote a, a script, a, a sketch about Socrates and Plato... Who are like they're like from Brooklyn though, and they're tough. To, like they talk like this, and uh, you know. But they philosophize. But I mean, that was also a, a, a function of what, like on campus, you know, the 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 uh, what the, the kind of low level course was that everyone mm. you know studied the Socrates yeah, and Plato sure. and stuff, and, and so Gen everyone Ed. yes, to Gen Ed, yeah. called, right, and everyone had that communal knowledge, so you could make inside jokes about Socrates <laughs> and Plato, and then the crowd would get it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. And so that became kind of a funny. A funny thing, also. So it must have been an enormous learning curve when you guys made the jump to New York. Oh, it was huge because you couldn't, you could not rely on that stuff. You had to come up with with material that everyone enjoyed, and I think it was a slap in the face at first. You know, (laughs) it was. Although in um, what it was was an eye-opening experience in terms of capitalism, because what happened was we, you know, we were they had us performing. The only place that would let us perform it was called the Duplex down in Christopher Street in Sheridan Square. Okay. And, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, like legitimately like a gay piano bar. Like downstairs, it was like drag queens and stuff yeah, it was like that. a cabaret that. place. Yeah. And, and then upstairs they had like a two-drink minimum room 
with a stairwell for a backstage, and they're, they're the place that took us. They gave us Wednesday nights. Well, that's because, like, uh, there weren't a lot of places where you could do sketch comedy, for example, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, at the time. I mean, this is pre-kind of UCB, pre-all yeah. that stuff. This is, and so, like, there were the stand-up clubs, which the stage was not large enough for three right. people, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, let alone nine, and uh, so we ended up at different cabaret clubs. Yeah, performing there, and, and what happened was, you know, so we had, they gave us like three Wednesday nights just to prove ourselves, and in the first show, all of our college friends came, all the recent graduates, and, and some graduates from, you know, years mm-hmm. prior to that, and the place was packed, and these are like 21, 22-year-old dudes mostly, and sold the place out of beer like at the end of the night sure. like <laughs> empty beer bottles literally on the whole thing and they uh, right then and there they were like you guys can do saturday nights too if you want <laughs> and after the next show it became like a summer run and after that i think they extended us to like a year or something That's like crazy. that but yeah. that, so it had nothing to do with and our friends were loving the sketches it was just sure. our friends we were performing for but it was the money that was coming in <laughs> yeah that the the place gave us a real chance to start to we drew, we drew the audience for them, yeah, our audience. And that's what it takes, too. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I wish more venues would work that way. That yeah. You have to prove yourself. Yeah. If you can bring an audience in, it's not about quality all the time. No, it's yeah. not. And then, and then, but after that audience comes and sees you like four times, you're like, dude, I'm not coming to your show anymore. Man. Right. And then you get like four guys at your show. <laughs> you <know? laughs> uh, were, you, were you guys doing um, material that you knew had killed at Colgate, or were you writing all new stuff for these these New we York wrote, residents? We, we translated some of it. Uh, like like Steve was talking about this Socrates and Plato sketch, which was a real favorite when we were at Colgate, um, uh, which just because it was kind of an everyman take on Socrates and Plato. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, that was always a big favorite, and so we started doing that sketch uh, in New York, which uh, everyone really liked, and then we started doing like the next, you know, we started doing serial uh, sketches of mm-hmm. it, you know, they'd come back again Tough in some one. other situation. Or yeah, the, we, did, we did four of them. Pizza restaurant or whatever. And so that that kind of material was good. I think, I think though, we did like, uh, you know, current event stuff, you know, right. like it was, uh, we were dating ourselves, but it was the, uh, uh, it was the 88, well, that was the 92 election. Election. It was the Clinton, it was the Clinton, uh, um, uh, I remember doing like a Clinton Gore sketch, right? We, uh, oh no, we did. Uh, we did. Uh, I thought it was a political candidate sketch. Yeah. Anyway, because it was in the height of the, uh, it was a, a Clinton esque character that Paul Soder did. But we would do topical stuff here and there. Okay. Um, and was a a certain point of view starting to emerge? You know, having worked together uh, for these years, uh, you know, was there a, a something that was kind of becoming the Broken Lizard brand there starting was, to come out? I mean, I remember at the time. I was, if I was thinking about this the other day, like. I would say the word "quote unquote" random mm-hmm. humor. Like we had a lot of random jokes, mm-hmm. that which I think I, that's what I feel like a lot of young people writing comedy yes. do too. Yeah, yeah. So. It is funny. Like I mean, moving forward a little bit. Like if you watch Puddle Cruiser, mm-hmm. which was our first real. I mean, it was our first feature film and the first feature film script that we all worked on together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would. You could never really write. Or make a movie like that now. I mean, it's like a lot of the scenes. Although, actually, there are times where I watch Judd Apatow movies, frankly, and I'm like, that. See, he's doing it now. It's like the scene is all bullshit, and guys just like, you know, yada yada yada, like telling jokes. And finally, at the end of it, somebody comes in and is like, "Did you know the thing is happening over there?" And you're like, "Oh, okay, let's go." The plot point comes right. in, and you yeah. move on. Yeah. <laughs> We don't do that anymore. But back then, it was like like it was very unstructured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Just we, we were learning. I mean, you know, it's like we all bought the Sid Field screenwriting book. <laughs> I was going to ask. <laughs> you know, which I, I went back and revisited a couple of years ago. Now that I feel like I know what I'm doing, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I've never done that. I still haven't done that, you know. But, uh, yeah, so we were just learning. But I think also, like, another thing that we were – I mean, people, I think, kind of talked about us being – there was kind of this thing we we called it like highbrow lowbrow, mm-hmm. where it was like you know I I like to think we're educated intelligent guys uh, who like smart comedy, but at the same time we always like a good you know fart joke or whatever it is, and so I think we we liberally used elements of both, mm-hmm. and uh, in our sketches at the time, and also you know I like to think in our movies, and uh, I think that uh, that's pr- that was probably. Our flavor, okay. you know. Well, also because I think a byproduct of us being such good friends was that, you know, we were just hanging out with each other literally 24-7. So after the shows that we would perform, we would go out and, st- you know, so you're, you're actually constantly on the clock. Yeah. Um, sure. You know, after we went out, we're hanging out at, you know, Kevin and Jay's house till five in the morning, you know, and just like telling jokes and, right. and laughing about things. And at some point, someone's like, oh, my God, that would be a hilarious sketch. Right. Write it down. And then, it, you know, of course... And it's probably why we're... I mean, we're also accused of being a little bit fratty. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's where it came well, from. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and that makes guys sense. And, like, you know, yeah. yeah. It's a natural evolution. Yeah. Um, so tell me about uh, shooting this first short uh, in Florida. Oh, yeah. How did you guys even have the wherewithal and know how to pull this together? Well, luckily, we uh, what happened was uh, Jay... Uh, started taking some film classes at NYU okay. just because it was a, something he was interested in. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, we had started, like, shooting little short videos in our sketch shows for a utilitarian purpose. It was basically so we had time to change our costumes, you know, like all the guys who changed the costumes to show a video and uh, have a short film. And so, Jay, although, although we liked those a lot because, you know, even yeah. in college when we shot them, it allowed us, like, we did an Untouchables spoof, and we did a Die Hard spoof where terrorists... At the college. At the college. Using college elements, you know. Yeah, like, terrorists take over the library. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Untouchables was, like... This is all the presidents of the fraternities were the the, the families, mm-hmm. the mafia families. Tr- and trying to figure out cracking, ways to, like... Cracking the fraternity. Yeah, like, to fight back about, against the anti-booze uh, <laughs> policies at the college. <laughs> right. um, so, like, you found you could do a lot more... Th- on like, video, yeah, yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you guys are already pushing out into what you could do. In yeah, sketch. but that was early, also in the sense of like, those were the big like video cameras that you'd put like yeah. VHS tape into, and then you'd edit VHS tape to VHS yeah. tape, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, we did that, and and uh, and really liked it. And Jay had the bug of that, and then he 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 went to this NYU film class and, and hooked up with this guy who was a, a you know more hardcore NYU film student. His name was Kevin Cooper. And um, he started getting involved with us, and, like, he wanted to get involved in shooting the videos, and we started doing that stuff. And then this film evolved uh, out of his senior student thesis, thesis oh, okay. and it was a half an hour thing. And this guy, Kevin, he was he was in the mil- he had formerly been in the military, and uh, and and uh, he had an interest in that. So we wrote this script. It was essentially a wag the dog kind of a script. It was about this uh, phony uh, invasion of a country in order to drum up uh, the, the right media support, mm-hmm. and um, it was all fake and whatever. It was, but it was funny. It was like it was pretty elaborate for what we did. We, you know, I don't know what the budget was. Probably like twenty thousand bucks or something. And then we went down to Florida and we invaded a beach in Florida, and uh, it came out to be about half yeah. an hour. And then we had reshoots. <laughs> we, we did. We did. Right. Well, it was funny because, you know, I think that the final cut of that first version was long, 45 minutes probably, and 
made no sense. (laughs) And so we thought we could actually increase the narrative element by shooting the new, you know, it's the, the, well, another problem was that we had cast, um, like a huge portion of it were, were roles that we cast outside of Broken Lizard. Yeah. And so I think when we got to the end of it, we were like, you know, it has at the one side this kind of Monty Python feeling where we're playing different characters, and then the other side there are these guys who are okay actors who are trying to carry the ball as like anchor men and stuff. So we reshot it with us as all the parts, basically, yeah. is what it came down. Oh, to. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so those were the reshoots in, in New York City. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I actually like a, a, a few different versions of the film. Like I liked the rough cut. We had, you know, we had stuff in there. We had a thing in there called Monkey Talk. It, you know, it's like at at certain points in that film, you'd you know, bust out to like the American public, like who, whoever's watching, you know, the, the news report on this thing, and and he'd change the channel and go to the show Monkey Talk, which was, you know, it was like. Uh, me as a minstrel telling a joke to a gorilla, a, a gorilla outfit guy. It was absurd. And each time, it, it like, and literally the jokes were like, "Have you heard the one about the three holes in the ground with water in them?" Well, well, well. And then the gorilla would go ah and strangle me. <laughs> and that was like the inane, quote unquote, inane programming that the American people are watching. Right. Yeah. Now I remember we we screened that long fat cut, and we we're like, we gotta we gotta cut this down a little bit. Yeah, we gotta How get rid of monkey talk. Uh, the fact was probably about forty-five minutes long. The okay. ultimate thing was probably about twenty-five minutes, but it was it was fun. We actually cut, we actually cut that on film. We actually cut sure. film on Steambecks, and you know that was really kind of a uh, uh, well, that was you don't do that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> no. it's amazing though when you talk about it. Like technology just is what it is. It keeps on coming, <laughs> and when you mention that, which is just what we did, you sound so old. I do sound really, <laughs> really old. Jesus. Okay. Well, we did. We cut it on film. Yeah. So suck it. It looked great. It I don't depth. care. That's right. Um, it did look great. For I mean, sure. That, it was certainly that was what got the film bug going. I mean, right. I think at that point, you know, we were doing sketch shows, and we could have gone in a direction of trying to make TV shows, mm-hmm. but I think we made a conscious effort to try to. Make film interesting, which was something that you know maybe comedy groups weren't necessarily doing at that point. I mean, you know, Monty yeah. Python obviously had made you know six or seven movies, or right. but, but this was, I mean, this was a time where suddenly sketch comedy, really because of the kids in the hall, mm-hmm. was exploding. You know, they, I mean, they had their HBO show, and so now you know the state was coming up, like MTV. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think we were one of the finalists for. Possibly being on the on whatever hmm. the M- the MTV slot was, but right, yeah. uh, the and state MTV got it. State, yeah. And then you had like, uh, well, UCB. UCB came was like time. two, maybe two or two years behind. I thought they won. A, didn't they win a contest? They, I mean, they were around, but I'm saying that that theater it formed what like probably early, uh, probably mid '90s, probably. Did it? I mean, That's what I thought. Yeah. I think they came. They they came to New York like '94, maybe. Okay. But, but yeah, it was all kind of happening yeah. around the same time. Yeah. But we made a very conscious decision to 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 write films and do mm-hmm. films and. Um, but independent film was also, was also blowing sure. up. I mean, that, that was absolutely. Kevin Smith and Richard Linklater and yeah. all those guys. Rodriguez. And Jay Chandrasekhar actually worked for this guy, John Sloss, who who was the kind of the lawyer and mentor to those mm-hmm. those filmmakers. And so um, he worked in his office, and, and that was just a world that he was in. And it was like, let's mm. get into this world. And so we, you know, after that half an hour film, we put together this Right. Film Puddle Cruiser for about two hundred fifty thousand bucks. Oh wow! And you guys must have learned from doing the short and then into Puddle Cruiser about you know what what makes a narrative film. And, yeah. You know what works in sketch versus what works in in a feature, and especially as you're tackling like a full length feature. Yeah. Uh, you know how to maintain the story uh, as opposed to the gags. Uh, talk yeah. a little bit about that. What, what that's you guys hard I mean, in that area. That was a that was definitely a moment of like uh, this is very different. <laughs> you know because. 
you know, you write a five-page sketch versus a hundred-page script. I mean, to learn how to sustain that. Yeah, you know, and I think we came up with little things that we realized, um, or at least that we felt for us worked to help you sustain a narrative. You know, like things like the likability of your characters, mm-hmm. and you know, um, and a certain level of realism to the world that you're in. Sure, you know what I mean. The sketch doesn't have that realism, but you should have that realism for the world to invest your audience into that mm-hmm. world and and like you and like to hang around with you. I think those were the things we started to learn at that point. Yeah, I mean, you know, if if you watch Puddle Cruiser. You know, I really I think it, each movie you watch, you're always learning something. And when you look back on everything you do, you're like, ah, I, we could have done that better or, yeah. or differently. With Puddle Cruiser, you know, I mean, certainly we started to figure out our tone, our, our cinematic tone in terms of like how ridiculous. Like, are you going to go mm-hmm. like the Zucker Brothers go, which is total farce, or are you going right. to keep it? You know, I mean, then we didn't have Judd Apatow to right. you talk about, but it's like you're actually telling an honest comedy, like it's it's a real thing. Story about real well, people. What was some of the stuff that you guys looked at as far as you know shooting a, a target for tone? Oh, I think we were we were we were fans of like the Landis movies and things like that, like Blues Brothers. Sure. I mean, no, I mean, no, those were they're fantastical worlds in a way, but still they but were in the real world, yeah. you know. But I, I think that they it was that kind of stuff that that uh, you know to be able to tell a two hour story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the Blues Brothers, they had a thing they had to accomplish, you know what I mean? And they took them on a journey to accomplish it. And so I think, you know, those are the kind of things that we, we liked. I mean, we also like movies like, you know, like Super Troopers has a lot of elements of, of movies like Slapshot, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, things like that that we liked that were very comic, but also, you know, that was a real story about this team getting, getting shut down. Yeah, and but there's also reality to the situation, you know, because we had, we had a draft of a Socrates Plato movie script and then we had a draft of a college romance yeah and just you know pragmatically speaking we're like okay we're <laughs> the gonna sword and sandal then yeah, quite the... ancient greece <laughs> let's t- let's tell the simple story here i yeah. remember you know like an, an interesting exercise that happened while we were shooting puddle cruiser was that um y- you know we had immediately you know you get behind in your on your shooting schedule right. yeah. and so th- th- there was a series. There was one day where we really like we were in the Hall of Presidents and we got delayed big time. It, you know, it was, it, it, we just didn't anticipate the sound and you know just ha- like the lighting and how yeah. what a big scene this was going to be. And so we wound up having a uh, you know our, our producer said you're going to have to cut a couple of days. So you got to look at the script and figure out <laughs> a few scenes to combine here. Mm. And by the way, that's happened on probably every movie we've done now. <laughs> exactly. But yes, yes. but we'd never done it at that point. We had right. never done it, yeah. and it was and. It was one of those moments where you're like, okay, well, let's actually look at how much bullshit is in all of these <laughs> scenes here and think if we if we can get some plot elements from each of these scenes and combine them into one, which we wound up uh, doing. Mm-hmm. I actually don't remember which scenes got combined or, or lost or anything like that, but uh, that was – a, a really mature moment <laughs> in our must have been. Yeah. Well, there also must have been a moment uh, in in working on these things where you guys realized, oh, I can cut gags. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, it's, I I don't have to have the scene if the best thing in the scene is a joke. Uh-huh. You know, uh, and coming from sketch and clearly loving comedy the way you guys do, that must have been a difficult realization. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, certainly when you're collaborating with somebody. Uh, yeah, you start to understand about like personal attachment to jokes. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, because if I'm if I'm looking at a scene and I've written a joke and Kevin's written a, a joke and I'm thinking <laughs> like what needs to go, I'm probably going to say Kevin's joke uh, should yeah, go. Sure, and Kevin is probably not going to feel the same. <laughs> what? No, I will. 
No, but I, I think that's how we learned other things too, and I think it's the sign of like a, what, what a cult movie is all about. Is that mm-hmm. as we approach these approach these scenes, the idea was make sure you have your plot point in the scene, which is important, but then also rewrite that scene until you have enough jokes mm-hmm. and a lot of jokes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people why people like watching our movies over and over again. I mean, it's not like people go out you know for the hundred million dollar opening weekend for us it's like it's the guy who watches super troopers you know 15 yeah. times and it's because we try to put as many jokes into each scene as possible and each time you watch it maybe you see a new one yeah, yeah. No, nobody ever comes up to you and quotes a plot point no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's those like random asides that right. you have that even you know listen we've, we've made a number of movies now and when we're writing a scene we'll be like this dialogue is just sort of frivolous and can go and then somebody else is like but actually that's kind of what makes hmm. Us, us, and then you say, "Oh, that's true." And mm-hmm. you know, luckily, uh, uh, as the budgets got bigger, as we got more experienced, we were able to shoot even more sort of random, jokey dialogue. <laughs> and then, because you know, ultimately, I mean, it's and it's, then it ends up on the cutting room floor. It it can. It <laughs> well, can. well, it's nice to have that luxury. Absolutely, you can Absolutely. figure it out. If yeah, it works. And and, and and you know, it's like we know this from doing live stuff. Uh, you know, at least when you're doing live material, you have the, you have the luxury of coming back each week. Mm-hmm. And getting instant feedback, and then when your laugh hits, you're like, "It's a keeper." That's yeah. it. Yeah. With film, you don't, you won't know yeah. until it's up in front of the audience, and they're not laughing. That mm-hmm. uh, and actually, you're screwed. Yeah, <laughs> you're screwed by then. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so you shot this first feature, and yep. uh, was it? Um, you know, Heart of Darkness, or was it? <laughs> no, that's was a, it. A good experience. It great. was a great it experience. Great. I mean, oh, we great. we definitely learned things in a good way and in a bad way but i mean it was a great experience and and uh i mean i th- i look back on it i mean it, it was you know we, we the whole process of editing it and and uh and then we got it into a bunch of film festivals and we want like uh we took it to our first festival was the hamptons film festival we took it to and i think that was 1996 or was 97 something like that and we won the festival we won the best movie of the festival which awesome. was shocking to us because it was a co- we made a college comedy and sure. and certainly uh, uh, it's still the case but at that time i mean the independent film world was very kind of angst ridden you mm-hmm. know and to walk in there with a college silly college comedy and it won the and the guy who gave us the award was Roy Scheider. Roy Scheider. Of Jaws. Get out of here. Yeah. And That's French amazing. Connection and yeah. whatever. And 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 he was a hero of ours because we love his movies. And he's like the guy, like, I love this movie. It's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> That's and we, what his quote And was. we were like, will you be in our next movie? He's like, yeah, hey, I love doing stupid stuff. <laughs> Ooh, what? <laughs> but he meant it in the best way. He meant way. it because he yeah. gave us the, the Golden Starfish Award. We got the Golden Starfish Award. Yeah. Well, which, <laughs> which is not gold, nor is it a starfish, by the way. <laughs> Disappointing. But he also, when he presented the award, he was so excited. He's like, the best film is... Puddle Cruiser and like yeah. raised his hand. Yeah. He, was, he was excited. Awesome. It was great. Wow! But that was you know, I, I remember thinking that festival. You know, it was it was the only time of fest in a festival that I've ever been to where the judges actually went to all of the screenings <laughs> and you saw them sitting there. And you're like, oh my god, is Roy Scheider laughing? And you're like, yeah. he's laughing. Yeah, because it was Roy oh, Scheider. Awesome. It was it was David O. Russell was one of the other judges, oh. and uh, that's crazy. I can't remember who the other judge was, but there were yeah, three that's judges. Nuts. Yeah. yeah, and so uh, and from there, I mean, good things happened, and uh, you know. That's how we got agents and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But at the same time, then we got accepted into the Sundance Film Festival, and um, and we took Puddle Cruiser to Sundance and had some great had great great screenings. And there. this was also like like you were saying, like the heyday of independent yeah, films. Yeah, this is, so this is ninety seven at that time. Yeah. it's a really big deal. Yeah, it was great, and we didn't. I mean, we kind of almost didn't feel like we belonged there because of the content of our sure. movie. You know, it was a it was a silly romantic comedy and uh uh i think that was the first year that they had started this kind of like side 
panel. Uh, uh, it, it, we weren't in competition. We were. They called it something else. The American Spectrum. It, they, uh, it might, that might have been for for Super Troopers. I, one of them. One, no, we they the changed mid- it. It was American Spectrum for okay for, for Puddle Cruiser. Cruiser. They called it the American Spectrum. Right? Yeah, and it was just a movies from America. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, not in the competition. Yeah, and so we oh. got in there, and. Um, well, that's amazing. That I mean, great. that got eyes on it, and that yeah. must have gotten you guys' yeah. attention. But, you know, it's interesting because it was also our first exercise in heartbreak because <laughs> we, had, we had won the Hamptons Film Festival, mm-hmm. and, uh, and everyone was saying – and we got signed by CAA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone was saying, this is it. You, mm-hmm. can, you can quit your waiting tables job. <laughs> you can – like you guys – I remember having a conversation with my producer. I was like, well, should I quit now? He's like, I'd give it like two weeks. <laughs> And like we, I mean, thank frankly, God, thank God great. you give it two weeks. Yeah. Now we expected. I mean, I mean, we didn't know what to, what to expect really yeah. going into Sundance. But yeah. I think we all fully believed that we were going to sell this thing based on the the hype sure. that we were getting. You know, but there is such a thing. You know, it, there was too much pre hype, and also people had seen the. the we film should say that we did not sell it. We did not sell it. Then. We didn't sell That's it. Crazy. Didn't sell. Well, yeah. it was weird because what what happened was we had gotten a, an offer from a company uh, prior to the festival, mm-hmm. and it was for. You know, for nothing, right. you know, but it was distribution, you know, mm-hmm. and so we were like, screw you, dude, we're going to Sundance <laughs> and we went to Sundance and then there were a few different kinds of offers and then it fell through. And then that one company that was interested, like went bankrupt. Jeez. Right. Well, we had I mean, there, like it's a pretty interesting story. It was uh, I don't want to say the name of the company. I don't, I don't even know if we can get in trouble for it. It was, Are they uh, still around? No, no, they don't exist. Okay. It was it was Trimark called Trimark. Oh, sure. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they they were very interested in distributing Puddle Cruiser and then also giving us money to make Super Troopers because mm. we had that script already. Oh. We had, we had a much earlier version of an earlier draft of that script, and it was a long hard process because what would happen is they would say, "Okay, we're we're going to give you a decision uh, by the end of this week." And then the end of the week would roll around, and you know our lawyer John Sloss would say like we didn't hear anything, but I did talk to them. They said uh, early next week, and this went on for months. In Each- the meantime, they decided to release a different film. Yeah, <laughs> right. And it was a Carrot Top's movie called Chairman of the Board. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. we were like, God damn it! Why can't you put our movie out there? <laughs> right. But this so this but this went on for a long time, and it was suffering. We were suffering. We just we needed to know. We needed to know. Of yeah. And I remember like I went to Sweden. I was I was dating a, a Swedish girl. And I went to Sweden with her, and I, was, I made a decision not to – I was like, I'm not going to check my answering machine. I'm not going to call back. I'm just going <laughs> to forget about it. And a week into it, uh, I finally checked. And the le- very last message on my answering machine was, uh, congratulations. I heard they, finally, they decided to do it, and I called these guys. Yeah. And they said, we're going to distribute Puddle Cruiser in theaters this October. And they're giving you I – th- I think they were giving us $2 million mm-hmm. or $1 million to make Super Troopers. And I cried that day. Like, I remember you cried I, Swedish tears. I did. I did. There were, there were meatballs coming out of my eyes. No, like I, I went for a jog into like the Swedish forest, and when I was there, oh I did the whole God. thing like yeah, like and cried. And what I did not know is that, that I, and I partied like a rock star for the for the next sure, week. Sure, you're I a there. filmmaker. That's now. right. I was <laughs> distribution. What I didn't know is that literally it fell apart overnight. These guys were on a bus going to celebrate. Uh, in New York, when they got the call, they're on the way to the celebrate, like to to meet up with each other. They got Holy the call yeah. that the deal had fallen apart. Yeah. Meanwhile, I was I was dancing, <laughs> right. dancing in Sweden. Didn't check your messages Swedish. for another week. No. <laughs> Swedish dance. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. So so did the film ever see light of day? Yes, yes, yeah. Ultimately, I mean, we we had some great things came from, coming from it. Actually, uh, mm-hmm. uh, ABC was it ABC? Somebody bought it for, as a TV show. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And uh, and so. Uh, 
Well, a couple people bought us TV shows. First, it was ABC. We developed it with them, and then it fell apart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And then the next year, NBC bought a yeah. version of it, which oh, was wow. it's basically a college comedy. It was kind of like right before they did uh, – I think it was like a couple years before Undeclared. It was kind yeah. of that same kind of idea. Yeah. And we shot the pilot for it. And huh. then they ultimately didn't. Uh, that was the year they picked up Friends, wasn't it, or something like that? <laughs> well, they. Def- I know that they picked up Freaks and Geeks because I remember it was, it was interesting right. because NBC liked the, the the project enough that they did invite us to the upfronts, even though they had passed. Yeah. and oh, that wow. was because they were, they they made us a blind offer mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to do another show with them. But so they went. I remember meeting that that John John Daly, Jonathan Daly, like mm-hmm. the little kid from Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, like he was just a kid. He literally was like walking around with a cranberry. Like Fourteen. Yeah. yeah, and I'm looking at him like, "Hey, you fucking motherfucker!" <laughs> <laughs> but like, time on air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so yeah, no that. NBC. But that's yeah. interesting. I was going to ask, you know, as as you were getting agents and there was a lot of interest around the feature, um, and you had Super Troopers kind of ready to go yeah. or at least ready to start talking about going. Yeah. Um, you saw yourselves as guys who make movies, but was there a push to put get you into TV Well, uh, and, or in, even into a sketch? Uh, well, I mean, y- you know, it took... Between Puddle Cruiser and Super Troopers actually getting made, it was, it was five years. Mm-hmm. And so after Puddle Cruiser did not sell... Um, you know, we we didn't really have anything going. It was hard to raise. We were looking for money mm-hmm. for Super Troopers, but we couldn't find it. Yeah, I mean, feature features are brutal. Like, yeah. there's yeah. no schedule to it. It's you got to just keep plugging away at it. So, what were you guys doing in this? Well, time? one of the things we did was, uh, you know, we came out here and we were trying to pitch a TV show. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, but we 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 had sold Puddle Cruisers a TV show, mm-hmm. and so we uh, and then the second year on we wrote it. Yeah, and but remember the next year we did another show for NBC about medical school. Right. But remember the first time when we when we, uh, when we shot um, or the first we sold Puddle Cruiser to ABC. Yeah. And it was a year long uh, contract with a big penalty fee mm-hmm. at the end of it. And for anybody who doesn't know, a penalty fee is you know whether or not they make the the project, you're going to get paid a certain amount of money. So if they make it, you get it. If they don't make it, you're still getting it. And so, you know, that was when I quit my waiting tables job. <laughs> right. In a blaze that's of a sure It's coming. That yeah. money's coming. Um, and that's kind of a big deal. I mean, especially, like, at the time, they're not handing these out to guys who have very right. little experience yeah. in, right. in television. And, I'll t- and I, for this one example, I will tell you what the, what the amount of money was right. because it, will, it, it is relevant. It was $250,000. And so we got $50,000 up front. Split five ways. Split five ways. Right. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask how yeah, many yeah. were still involved at this <laughs> yeah. point. Yeah. So now remember, that's, you know, that's $10,000 a guy after taxes and right. commissions. You're looking at $5,000. <laughs> so it's, you know, that's a lot of money, but it's also not a lot of money, certainly, to quit your, <laughs> right. uh, to throw your apron on the floor. Sounds like somebody wanted to quit his job. <laughs> oh, I did. I did. But so we always knew there was $200,000 coming at the end of this year period. It was $40,000 a guy. That's a lot of money. And yeah. so... We're racking up the credit card bills, <laughs> all this stuff. And, and what ultimately happened was there was a legal loophole, and we never actually wrote the script for them, yeah. which was oh, no. we were never officially commenced. Yeah. And so we didn't get that money at the end of a year, <laughs> which meant you know people were now – you know, Lemmy had to go back to his waiting. I did. I, I went back to <laughs> my, the restaurant yeah. where I where exactly. I That's restaurant. brutal. Yeah, but it was inspiration for um, a later movie we made. This Lemmy <laughs> Salmon. We right. used that. Uh, That's right. Got to use that material. Yeah, absolutely. 
But uh, so so but that was good. No, I mean, it, it, there were definitely some some problems there. But but Puddle Cruiser definitely set the table for us to make Super Troopers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, it gave us credibility everywhere. I mean, it was it sure. was it was what allowed us to bring Super Troopers back to Sundance, mm-hmm. you know, which is where we sold it. So. Well, let me let me ask you about this TV stuff for a second, yeah. and then we'll talk about yeah. Super Troopers and the stuff that came after. But um, did you guys know how to write a TV script? Did you know what you were getting into on this? Not not entirely. No, uh, uh, but I think it was another thing. Uh, that we learned, you know, as we went along, you know, we didn't know the structure for TV. Mm-hmm. We didn't know any of that stuff. But I think at that point we had enough people in our world who, whether they were managers or agents or whatever, who could give us some instruction on, sure. on what to do. And then when you got into the development process with the executives, then, then you got guidance. We had some really cool, uh, development executives at that point. Absolutely. Uh, and that was the like thing. David Nevins now who, who runs Showtime now. And, uh, yeah. you know, they were, they were great. And Bartis. Yeah. And, and, um, and so, uh, they kind of taught us, and I think the more we did it, then I mean, now sure. we but know that, how to do it. I mean, you know? that was our very first experience in any kind of development. Yeah, you know, and I, you know, I think a lot of writers hate getting notes. You know, frankly, I don't find notes that offensive. I mean, sometimes you're like, ah, you grumble about it, and then you're, you you take a step back and you approach, and you're like, something will come out of it because mm-hmm. the conversation is being had. But also, we're we're used to it in the sense of when you write with five guys, yeah. you're always getting notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you were ready for that collaborative <laughs> yeah. aspect. Yes. Of it. but these these were this was the first time we were getting notes about you know this is the first time we ever heard the word heart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to put some heart in it. Yeah, and driving a force, <laughs> you know, the engine of something. I mean, ticking clock. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, but it's it's again it's not stuff you guys were unaware of. I mean, no. having written now two features, yeah, uh, you know, and and realize what it takes to make a feature and to sustain a story for that long. Like you know, yes. you have to have a character that people want to stay with. And actually, I felt like when we came backwards to TV, you're like, oh wow, like a 28 page yeah. script, no problem. It's like writing sketches again. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> it was a it was a kind of an interesting exercise. Mm-hmm. You know? Certainly, when you write a feature film, just the getting through everybody's notes. On the script can take a week. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. was this thing you're you're done in in a day, in a few hours right. maybe, and uh, which we liked a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, tell me about writing with this many people. Uh, it's tough. That was the biggest. I think that's the biggest thing that we learned how to do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's impressive to be able to write with five guys. But I think, I mean, we had you know terrible sessions. But we we I think we got it to a point where we learned a structure, and the structure was. There would be one guy who would be the secretary or the bitch. We called him the bitch. Yeah. And the bitch would be in charge of taking the notes, mm-hmm. assembling the notes, typing up the notes, and bringing it back to the team. And so that person a new was, draft. A new yeah, draft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that person would be in charge of that uh, draft, and then it allowed us to write multiple things at the same time because you'd have a different person sure. in charge of a different oh, project. Sense. And so, um, uh, but we learned, and that that guy was the thing, and then and then we learned how to give that person notes and to be hmm. constructive, yeah, but, and supportive, and say you're the first thing you say to every writing meeting is great job, point man, <laughs> yeah, great job to the point to the point now where it's like it's an awful joke. You're like, okay. Great job. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, I mean, the other thing we really learned, I mean, it's a good thing we were friends to begin with because mm-hmm. we had a few epic fights. Like, uh, really? Well, I, I don't think any more than anybody else. In fact, mm-hmm. we probably had less fights. But, you know, you do. You understand what that sense of personal attachment to these jokes sure. are. And, you know, it's like you also. Hinging on a word. Do you you, I was going to ask, do you guys yeah. remember the, what these fights were over, you know, in, on any of these uh, projects? Uh, I, you know, I mean. I can't 
I mean, they, no, they, I mean, there was there were things like you know, like like you know, using the word the or you know, well, it's like like the fr- uh, in the tinfoil monkey you know, agenda. Those were ridiculous <laughs> fights that we had in the tinfoil <laughs> monkey agenda. We have which is the half hour film we made. We had one which was uh, the line that ultimately wound up in there was. Uh, I am only, I'm only three. half captured. Okay, okay. And that's the the general that we capture. It, it's we capture a, a, a fictitious general mm-hmm. like Noriega, you know. And uh, he says, "I am only half captured." And on set that day, we sat there and argued about what was the funniest fraction. Is like I am on, and people are like, "Oh my, three fifths oh, is yeah. the funniest fraction." <laughs> then there'd be a long silence, and we'd be like. I am eighteen twenty-fourths. <laughs> Literally throwing out different fractions, oh and nobody's God. laughing at any of them. And we settled on half-captured, you know? the yep. simplest the half-captured right. version of it. That was I, that wasn't necessarily a fight, though. That was like well, but us. those. I mean, you get into those kind of. That's that yeah. example of the kind of fights you have. But I think that the difference was that we had been through the fires together, mm-hmm. and we were friends in college. I think when people get into those kind of fights uh, uh, when they're collaborating uh, with less experience, they they just quit. Mm-hmm. You know, or it's like, you know what? I'm not really interested in it. But it's like, with us, it's like collaborating with your family members. It's mm-hmm. like, you can get into the worst goddamn fight you've ever gotten in your life over the stupidest thing. Mm-hmm. And the next day, it's like, eh, moving on. Right. You know what I mean? Well, and a, you know you're not breaking up. Yeah. But, you know? But it's true. But it's like, you also, I mean, you get into a fight about inane things. Like, we've had fights. I remember on, on a TV project we had recently. We were getting into a fight, an internal fight about stage direction, like not even dialogue, but just how to present like a piece of stage direction. And we're screaming at each other. And it's like, I can't say, you know, I think the other guy's being ridiculous. On the other hand, it's like, why do, am I holding on to my end so badly? You know why? Because I fucking believe it. Absolutely. And it's like, you know. You have to figure out how to separate yourselves. I think yeah. learning how to say I'm sorry sometimes, or, or like at the end of it, like, hey, you know, so that, yeah, like, I, you know, yeah. I, I think I was right, but, yeah. but, <laughs> but that's a family element to it. Like, I, I right. you know, I'm we, sorry it happened. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. I still think I'm right. Yeah. Right. But I've, I've, I mean, we we're pretty insular in what we do. I've never worked on a writing staff of a mm-hmm. TV show, for example. I don't know what happens in those fights. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they get into those fights. I don't know if somebody quits. I don't know what it. I mean, whatever. Well, I mean, it's we go out drinking, right? I mean, you guys have that underlying respect right. that you would hope a writing staff of a TV show would have. But you right. guys have came up with that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we you, were friends. You first, have a writing staff. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I certainly think we have. If you look back on our twenty years together now, you can point to a couple of periods of time that are dark spots where mm-hmm. the where the tension is high. Usually, those things are are, are broken up by. A success moment, sure. You know where you can all hug each other and right. like, you know, we something to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. Like we, you know, whenever we've gotten a green light on a movie, you know, certainly the night before we're shooting that thing, you know, we'll have a little group hug, you know, right. and, and appreciate <laughs> Do a good job, guys. appreciate the moment. Uh, so, how many of you are there now? Is it is it Still down five. to five? Yep, there's five. That's yeah. great. Yeah, um, yep. and uh, are you all? Do you all work on everything together? Or is it? Are people going off and doing their own projects as well? I guess. It, do you mean well? All broken lizard projects. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah, we we try to. I mean, certainly a reality has come into it where, um, you know, we are all doing things on the side. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Okay. About. Yeah. yeah. yeah no, everyone you know, has a. You know, like Jay Chandrasekhar has been directing a lot of TV. Oh, that's right. And yeah, so yeah. he's done tons of. Uh, Different TV, like community, and all mm-hmm. kinds of great shows, and uh, you know, he's had Royal Pains and uh, Happy Endings, and he's constantly directing TV. Yeah, and um, 
you know, he's also doing stand-up. And, um, like, Paul Soder uh, is another guy, and he's made his own films. He, he has a love of horror films, mm-hmm. and he's now directed two kind of lower-budget cool. horror films that he's written and directed. So, like, ev- everyone has other things. You know, Lemmy and I, we've been doing stuff together. Uh, we've been traveling together, doing stand-up together. And, uh, but, no, I think the Brooklyn Lizard Project, it's still... Mm-hmm. You know, the f- bring the five minds together and, and work on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're you know currently we're sort of in the slowest negotiation ever uh, for Super Troopers two. Oh, really? Um, but I mean, there's there's a lot of other elements of that. You know, there is a legal thing from from the first one. Um, sure. But uh, and that'll be the thing that really brings the five of us back together into one room. I mean, there's six drafts of that script written um and well we you know that that's the other thing about you read these reviews calling us you know frat boy humor and stuff we did 25 drafts of super troopers (laughs) and we you know it's like we knew full well going in that some of these jokes were childish like kevin was saying and some of them are more you know highbrow but they Mm -hmm. are in there you know Mm -hmm. and so we always get our feelings hurt a little bit we're like you know we actually did try harder than you're making it out to (laughs) this isn't tossed off yeah uh and there is something about you know smart people being dumb Yes, uh, that's so appealing. They're the and good people ones. People are either going to get it or not. <laughs> right. You know, it's yeah. a very subjective. Some of the reviews thing. don't get it. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about about the films that you guys have made, and you know, you're doing draft after draft. And was that because of the group? Was it because of uh, financing? You know, the the executives involved, and in... well, you know, Super Troopers probably was the script where we really learned that. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm, I know we didn't do 25 drafts of Puddle Cruiser, but well, we did right. a lot. I mean, we did a, we did like 12. I feel the like. basis of it though in those days was just to ha- we had so little money and so little sure. time was was preparation, and so if your stuff on the page was good and well worked out, then. You know, you can save time and money that way. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the basis of it all. But we also, you know, it like I was saying before, it took us five years between Polo Cruiser and Super Troopers, and in that time, we had a lot of different people involved. You know, we developed it with Miramax Super Troopers with Miramax mm-hmm. for a while, mm-hmm. and you and know, we went, we went around the gamut. Then it went to Bob Simons, it went to the, the Fairley Brothers, mm-hmm. it went to the Zucker oh, wow. Brothers, yeah. and uh, we had uh, Clooney was involved as George a, an Clooney executive producer. Yeah. But so, you know, the byproduct of that, or, or you know, is that we wound up doing all these drafts over. Sure. We had, uh, I think, the draft for the Farrelly brothers. We had that was set back in the seventies, <laughs> and so that was, you know, just a, its own draft. You know, because <laughs> right. like the seventies draft exists. Parallel like universe yes. draft, yeah, <laughs> like hot rods and stuff. And then we, you know, we brought it back. But twenty-five drafts came out of that, and the one thing you realized was that the drafts only get better. I mean, even if you if you add five new good jokes, that's five yeah. good moments, and over the course of 25 drafts, that's 125 jokes. Whoa. <laughs> that's a lot of jokes. Good math. That's, that's a lot good of jokes. Math. Yeah. So, drafts are good? Is that yeah. what we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, but I think we, we kept that going. You know, even... You know, we did a lot of drafts of Club Dread with mm-hmm. Fox, and um, and that was a little bit different because we were making a it was a horror kind of whodunit, and it required us to have our plot together. A little yeah, there's bit. there's yeah. structural issues yeah. in that which you don't get in the sort of uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, just the straightforward yeah. comedy. Yeah, thing. introduced us to the term red herring. <laughs> right. A what a what a red herring. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you know a, a movie like Beer Fest, which we made with Warner Brothers. Uh, that was another dr- script that kicked around for a long time because it was hard to get that movie made. Nobody wanted to make a movie about beer. And so uh, we for, for a while, we were in development over at Sony, and we did a couple of drafts with them. And then we mm-hmm. went over to Warner Brothers. We were, we were in you know, development with them. So it's like development 
always seems to get us to write a lot of drafts, which yeah. is, I think well, is probably it, a good thing. It is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I think writers are, by nature, we're not going to try, you know, yeah. we're not going to try a million times to do the thing. Well, yeah. that's the thing I, I sometimes marvel at. Look, like we have, you know, sold pitches and, and written scripts for, uh, for other actors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm amazed that in the studio system, there's like just two or three steps in your contract. It's mm-hmm. like write the first draft and then do the next draft and then a polish. And then we'll figure it out from there. And I, you know, I always look at that. And I'm like, frankly, I don't think anybody can really write a great script in yeah. six months and three drafts. Yeah. It's not going to be done. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to, if you want to come out I mean, with it something can't suitable. Be as good as it should be. Yeah. yeah. Tell, I'm curious about that actually, about uh, pitching stuff. Yeah. Uh, for it seems like you guys tended to write these scripts before uh, going out and actually selling them. Yeah, uh, has uh, that we always did some been of them. the way? No, or did you uh, pitch Beer some Fest? Others? We pitched first. Uh, Club Dread. We pitched uh, first. Club Dread. We pitched oh, you did. first. Right. Yeah, but you, you know, Troopers, Slam and Salmon. We wrote. Okay. Uh, I mean, you know, it's different. It's just where you are in the scheme of uh, being able to get money. God, I would say it's almost and ninety nine percent of it is how hot you are or like what kind of momentum you've got going. No kidding. Yeah. Well, you know, Super Troopers. Um, you know, we sold Fox Searchlight and we had a, a first look deal on our next project, and they said, "What do you want to do?" And we, you know, we had literally it was it was coming from chugging the maple syrup and also Kevin's powdered sugar. Naked powdered sugar scene yeah. where he's freezing cold, being hosed down, brushed down, and, he's, and his penis gets shown on film. Yeah. We realize that if you write these jokes at some point, you're going to have to film them. And it was, for us, an internal joke. We were like, why don't we just like, do something on a, on a tropical island? Let's pitch an idea on a tropical right. island with girls in bikinis, <laughs> which is where the idea for Club Dread came from. And we pitched to them, and they bought it <laughs> and greenlit the project. So... Uh, but that seems like a more kind of straightforward story to pitch. Like that, I, I kind of get that pitch. Yeah, uh, I see where an executive would, or a development executive would understand that. Uh, but yeah. what about something like Beer Fest? Well, Beer Fest, we had, you know, we pit, Adam Sandler was one of the people who had reached out to us pretty early on after Super Troopers came out. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, I, "I loved it. I saw it in the theater. Uh, if you guys ever need my help." Hmm. Give me a call because I think you guys are the real deal. Oh, that's cool. And, uh, you know, Club Dread came out for a variety of reasons. It did not do well at the box <laughs> office. One of them was the good Lord because uh, we opened against the Passion of the Christ, and which is just a stroke of terrible luck. I, I would think that's a good counter-programming. That's what the plan was. But, yeah. But yeah, it, was a weird, it was a weird situation where we uh, – I remember the opening weekend we went to Times Square, which is one of our best theaters, you know. And so we went into Times Square, and we're like, oh, this is going to be great. And there were people who had, uh, uh, you know, from churches who had pre-bought all the tickets to all the shows. And as people would walk in the movie, they just handed it to them. Oh, for here goodness goodness movie. And so we would see a group of, like, our crew coming <laughs> right. in, you know, the younger dudes, stoned or whatever. And then, like, okay, they're going to buy a ticket. And then someone would walk up and say, please go see The Passion of the Christ. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. And so... <laughs> After that, <laughs> m- when that movie got smote down by the Lord <laughs> that first weekend, Sandler actually reached out to us and said, you guys are going to need my help now, so let's <laughs> no talk about kidding. something. Yeah. And we pitched him the idea That's for really Beer cool. Fest. And, oh, yeah, no, he, he, he was great. He mm. was great. Awesome. Yeah. And so they said, okay, let's do this, and they brought it to Sony hmm. where their deal is. Well, we pitched the town with Sandler. We did pitch we, the we town. We pitched the town with him, and then uh, – and then ultimately, uh, we sold it to Sony, where right. his deal was. Sure, so, I mean it worked yeah. out. That's great that you could even take it out, though. 
Yeah, uh, that's that's really neat. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was fun. Yeah, a lot of juice in the tank. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So. And this was like you know what? This was like what? Two thousand two four two thousand four. Yeah. So, um, but um, and so ultimately, yeah, we we set it up. Sony went into development with Sandler's company and with the yeah. folks at Sony. Mm-hmm. But so, go, you know, going back to the thing we're talking about, it's like we had the Sandler heat mm-hmm. behind us in, yeah. in terms of that one. We've we've done a lot of pitches um, where we do the whole song and dance. I mean, we put together a Broken Lizard production. You know, you know, every guy like, gets his, uh, you know, yeah. five minutes. Yeah, sure. you play a yeah. character. You're the one who's going to say, like, uh, well, a salt mine. That's a <laughs> hole in the ground with salt in it. And it's mine. You know, yeah, and, like, right. gets a big laugh in the pitch. Like, we did, I mean, we did gags and stuff right. like that. Uh, you know, and, and people pass on them. You know, mm-hmm. this, these are in your colder moments. We had, when we were re- rewriting the Dukes of Hazard, I remember we went into uh, for a rewrite gig. One of the ones where you're pitching your take yeah. on what the rewrite for the script is going to be. Do you guys tend to do a lot of these rewrites? And I didn't realize you actually have to go pitch on these. That Pit, seems awful. Pitch your take. Yeah, yeah, well... Like, I knew that for original stuff. Like, if you're going to yeah. be the first writer on yeah. it, but... But this, it, it, you know, it goes into this thing. And this is actually what I was saying about mm-hmm. Dukes of Hazard. Dukes of Hazard, at that moment in time, it, it was being shot. We were in the rewriting process on that movie, and there was a lot of hype. They had Jessica Simpson, Johnny Knoxville, Sean William Scott, uh, Willie Nelson, but all those people were very hot. And so the project was hot. Mm-hmm. The, the budget was growing. It was, a, it was a big deal. And so we went in for this one rewriting job, and he said, uh, so uh, Dukes of Hazzard's going to be pretty big, huh? And we're like, yeah, it's going to be huge. And he's like, okay, so w- w- what do you want to do? with our project. And we said, we're, we just want to do the same thing we're doing with Dukes. We're going to make it tougher and funnier. He's like, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and like, we had a right. whole song and dance prepared. And he's like, I love it. And you guys love it? And they're like, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Boom. And like the job was ours. That's which has never happened before or since, I don't <laughs> right. think. That's right. But so it's like that hype. But the you hype caught machine. that thing. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. You know, the right like, timing. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Because um, usually, yeah, you do have to give your take on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're up against whatever other writers Several. Are doing their take on of it. Of course. You know? So what do you think, like on something like Dukes of Hazard? what do you think it was that you guys uh, brought to that pitch? Well, I mean, I, th- I think it became clear. I mean, that was a different situation, but it became clear that uh, the executive who's in charge of, of that was a huge Super Troopers fan. Oh, that's great. And so he wanted that feel for that movie. Mm-hmm. And so he pursued Jay as the director for mm-hmm. quite a while. And um, Jay had said no a couple of times, and then, and then finally he said yes, provided that uh, my guys and oh, I can right. write rewrite the script. Yeah. And they said sure. And so uh, he then brought us in, mm-hmm. and we did a Broken Lizard punch. It we did you know five man rewrite sure. rewrite of the script, and then we also got parts in it too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a nice, a nice but byproduct. It, it was a we're like a virus. It was an, ama- <laughs> it was an amazing experience uh, for a number. I mean, go, to go through the process of rewriting uh, 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 a kind of a more iconic uh, hmm. property is what Damn. they call it. Because what you do, you'd go, we'd go in there and pitch our take on certain things after we were already hired. And you'd see, like, the executive be like, oh, my God, I'm feeling sick to my stomach. And you're like, what's the problem? He's like, this is a, this is a, a beloved thing. You can't screw this up. He's like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we won't do that, you know. And so uh, we went through that whole process, and it was a very kind of cool and interesting process. And then ultimately, though, that's what got Beer Fest made because hmm. we had a good relationship with them. We did a good job by them, apparently. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when it was done, they were like, well, what do you guys want to do? And we said, well, we have this movie that's stalled over at Sony. It's called Beer Fest, and we'd like to make it. And Warner Brothers 
at the time, you know, it was all about Harry Potter and Superman and Batman, and they don't make movies like Beer Fest. So it was very surprising yeah. that they said yes, and they said, but I go think, do it. Know, like New Line had just come out with Wedding Crashers, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, sure. and 40-Year-Old Virgin had just come out, and, and Warner Brothers didn't have really an R-rated comedy um, division they or didn't anything make like them. that. Yeah. And so they actually they offered us a production deal. <laughs> and Because uh, they saw you as the guys who could kind of emulate yeah. this. And they liked, yeah, I mean, they liked the things that we did with the Dukes of Hatchard script, and it gave it a little bit more of an edge. But it, was, and, it was actually pretty amazing because, you know, timing-wise, it happened the, really the moment we realized at Sony that it wasn't, Beer Fest wasn't happening. We, we literally stepped out of the doors at the Sony, Sony studio and got a phone call from our agents and said, you're never going to believe this, but Warner Brothers just offered you guys a, a production deal, and the carrot that they're offering you guys is to greenlight the movie of your choosing. Which is the tastiest carrot? <laughs> Absolutely. You can you can imagine like how flabbergasted we were. You yeah, know, like wild to go from such a low, yeah, to suddenly the highest of the highs. Yeah, you all liked each other again. Yeah, it was good again. Yeah. We hugged yeah. in the uh, yeah. right. in the parking lot of Sony. We all hugged and uh, said, "Let's do this." Yeah. Uh, is there? I'm curious about um, the bar for success for. Uh, the films that you guys get made, yeah. you know, they're not huge budget no. films. No. Um, so, you know, is there pressure on you guys to, you know, make these a massive success or, or how, like, how's the, how's the relationship it's, with the studio? It's varied. I mean, you know, with, with Fox Searchlight, Super Troopers made, I think, six point something its opening weekend. And mm-hmm. we got the call on Friday night, you know, because they can project how it's going to mm-hmm. go they were very happy with that because, you know, they had acquired it for three and a quarter million mm-hmm. dollars at Sundance and probably spent about $11 million on marketing. So this was a good number for them to hit. And we were unknowns. Yeah. So they were excited about that. I think, you know, Club Dread obviously fell well short of their, their uh, desired. Uh, well, I think once you got into that film world, I mean, you realized, and, and maybe it's changing, but it's kind of not, I mean... You, you you are defined by your 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 theatrical box office, and that yeah. is how and that's how you get the next project made. Still, even though like the ancillary markets probably make more money for mm-hmm. people now, uh, it's still it's still the way that you're defined. And so, we have a very weird existence in the sense of that we've never had the theatrical mm-hmm. box office situation, but we've had massive, massive uh, ancillary market. We've yeah. had, I mean, Super Troopers has a massive success on home video. It was, you know, it gets listed in like Fox's quarterly reports on their stock reports. It's like, it's you know, so it, it's, it's made them, you know, you know, well into a hundred million bucks and, and, uh, and they've sold about six million DVDs, uh, which you know is on par with your hundred million dollar box office mm-hmm. movie. So it's an anomaly, and uh, so it's, it becomes hard for us to be able to get defined, and um, which can be a problem sometimes mm-hmm. for us, you know, because actually that's the success we enjoy. It's like I I like that people watch our movie fifteen times because yeah. they own it or whatever it is. Right. You know what I mean? You have genuine fans who are yeah. invested in not just this movie even, but, right. but the brand of it. Brand. Yeah. And yeah. and when we travel around to our live shows, that's what you see. Like yeah. we go to these venue or theaters or, or, or comedy clubs, whatever it is, and people are hardcore. They show yeah. up they're dressed up in the characters of the movies. That's yeah. Nuts. And so, you know, I, I think so I think our bar of success is more in that world mm-hmm. of like you know, how the fans love it and how yeah. many people see it, whatever it is. Uh, the industry is still stuck in the theatrical. Absolutely, you but know. you you get caught up in it. I, you know, when when Beer Fest was coming out originally, they had a, a lower bar. 
mm-hmm. set, and then they tested it in front of audiences, and it actually tested very well. And I think another movie of theirs didn't do so well. And so I remember hearing that suddenly they had changed their expectations or their projections yeah, to, to $50 million dollar, uh, <laughs> box office. Yeah, number. yeah. That, I mean, then that becomes your death now. So right. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, our projections are going to go this high. And then if you don't hit those projections, then you failed, even right. though they should have never That's been crazy. the projections in the first place. You know, yeah. it's like the the budget for Beer Fest was the catering budget on Superman. You yeah. know what I mean? We made Beer Fest for $14 million, which. I defy you to find a movie, another movie that Warner <laughs> Brothers has made for fourteen million dollars in the yeah. last ten years. Yeah, you know? and and uh, they, then they projected us out. They wanted us to make whatever fifty or sixty million bucks, and it was it just didn't happen. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's since it's happened. You know, that, but that opening weekend, you know, uh, we ultimately made like what twenty twenty million bucks in the box office and Super Troopers. Not the opening weekend, but the whole run. Yeah. Right. And and since then they've had massive home video success on sure. it. Sure. And but they don't look. They look at it more of like, oh, they didn't open. Right, that's yeah, so yeah. strange. I mean, you guys are in an unusual position too, <clears throat> in that you know you're a trusted brand. Yeah, you know people know the name Broken Lizard. They know, uh, you know, within parameters what sure. to expect from one of your films. Um, but there's no, you know, it's not, it's not an Adam Sandler. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not an Apatow. You know, so I I would imagine you guys are still in that position where getting stuff made is not the slam dunk that it is for an Apatow. Yeah, no, yeah, not at know, all. And that has to be that has to be creatively frustrating. Well, we haven't. I mean, we actually haven't approached anybody with uh, any project lately. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think we're actually kind of circling our wagons and we're putting all of our eggs in that Super Troopers two basket. <coughs> you know, if Super Troopers two goes and gets greenlit we will have uh the most momentum we've had since those days of mm-hmm. the uh, of the warner brothers deal mm-hmm. um where we were getting projects gr- or well but also i think you know the industry has changed so much i mean it's yeah. like what you know who's even making comedies anymore and who's making comedies for under 15 million dollars anymore i mean it's like yeah. you you have to go out and find out find independent financing to make those movies and and yeah. you know the last few movies we've done that's what we've done yeah. you know which i imagine must be that must be where you guys really like succeed i mean yeah. you must, could, because you have the because name track record and you have the track and there are numbers record, yeah. that people can look at and, yeah. you know so i think that's you know Although, kind although of the model, the, interestingly, the you know, the model for independent film fin- financing right now really, uh, it, it hinges upon. I mean, it rests on your uh, international value, mm-hmm. and you know, historically speaking, comedies from the United States don't fare very well overseas, mm-hmm. and so you, we actually don't have much value. We've gone down the road where we, you know, they will then. It's it's the it's the we hate hearing the words like okay we're just gonna uh, crunch some your uh, foreign numbers your overseas uh, numbers and we'll get back to you guys we're like I will right, we'll see you guys later. I, guess that, I guess that's it for our relationship oh so but you know, I mean it's uh, you know the last movie we made was the Slam and Salmon yeah which we I think the budget was what four million dollars yep mm-hmm. on that one yeah um, and then uh, Jay and I made a movie called The Baby Makers last year mm-hmm. which. Uh, which was about two million bucks, wow. and uh, and was but, that independently financed? Yeah, independently yeah. financed, and then it, 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 it kind of fell into uh, the slam and Sam did the same thing, but it falls into kind of what the model is now, where you'll have a like a, a mid small distributor, and they'll uh, they'll run it for you know. Mm-hmm. Ten markets, that kind of thing, and see how that goes. And then you know, now it's more resting in the world of VOD and yeah. and uh, the other ancillary markets. And so, you know, that I think it's a little bit of the wild west. Like now, people are trying yeah. to figure out how to put comedies out, and yeah. 
and people are just haven't cracked it yet. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. Like they've cracked it in, like for example, like uh, the horror movies. You know, the uh, right. you know the paranormal activities, and they figure out how to make the two million dollar movie that makes. Yeah, know, it's strange that budget. they can't apply the same so, thing. But there are a lot of people who are trying. That's yeah. the thing. There are a lot of people who are like, let's let's use that model. And so I think that a lot of people are trying. They just haven't cracked it yet. Mm-hmm. And they probably will at some point. Yeah, but, but there uh, are a lot. I mean, there are a lot of experiments that are going on right now. You know, I mean. There are places like Netflix. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. a lot of financiers are stepping forward to make these lower budget things. We'll certainly try to get involved in something like that. I mean, Kevin and I actually, we, what we did do is we wrote a web series. Yeah. I was going to ask. I mean, this seems like a great opportunity for you guys. Yeah. Uh, both having these opportunities for smaller budget things, but then also the different formats. Yeah. You know, you guys must have found that very easy and fun and probably very freeing. Well, one of the things, you know. I mean, Kevin and I have been traveling around for two years now doing these live uh, stand-up comedy shows. And mm-hmm. so, we've been, you know, we have a lot of time to write and uh, work on stuff. And, you know, you you see all these stations that are up there, the, the, you know, the Funnier Dies mm-hmm. and all these other uh, networks where people are just shooting. I mean, big celebrities are shooting these five-minute shorts. And we, you know, we had some ideas for that. We were looking for somebody to, you know, to... To finance an operation <laughs> such as that, and we found some, and so we did it. And you know, but but there's also, you know, we've been involved in in television development, proper television development with networks mm-hmm. for a while now. And you know, you each year you go into it with the same thing. You're hearing the same word on the streets, which is that the networks this year they're going to go outside the box. And so, and and we always fall into that category. They're like they're taking a chance on you guys because <laughs> yeah. you guys have indie cred and right. you know edgy stuff. And then you you write your thing and at the end of the day it doesn't move forward there and you know we've done that for the last three years we've sold it to a network Mm -hmm. yeah and so you know this time we thought you know why actually let's shoot this web series and now we'll have the thing that we haven't had in a long time we'll have some tape Mm -hmm. to you know show somebody and actually you can use this as a as a pitch tool that's great to show people what you're doing it's like you spend so much time uh uh, waiting for approval from other people you know what i mean whether it's you know to get a whether it's a lawyer or an executive or whatever. And, and now there are all these avenues available to people to be able to make their own content and get it out to the world. So, like, you know, this is a little experiment of ours, and we, we shot this web series. Uh, you know, we also shot our own uh, stand-up special, which Netflix bought. Okay. And so, uh, you know, we, we've got a lot of good things out there, you know. But it's interesting because, you know, we were talking about technology at the top. You know, it's like the the, the cutting on the film or yeah, the yeah. big video <laughs> cameras. You know, at, there's a point in time, and it's probably, you know, it comes out of necessity, but, like, you're, you're becoming a dinosaur, and you know it, but you're fighting it. You're like, fuck the internet, <laughs> fuck YouTube, <laughs> fuck digital shorts. At some point, you're like, would you maybe give that a shot? Like, it could be fun. I mean, you know, we, we got into it because it, it sounded like fun, and then, you yeah, know. Right. And we had a blast. And, That's uh, good. And it's, you know. And was it creatively fulfilling in the same or similar way as, you know, it is. It making a terrific. movie and making it was a terrific. Oh, That's great. We created, you know, funny characters. And it's like, you Fun. know, it's also like interesting, like these short bursts, you know, like I, I just, uh, and it was in the ed- editing room yesterday and, and we we had edited like two of our episodes and I was like, Jesus, I just episoded, edited an episode in one day. It's like when you make a movie, it's such a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a multi-year process. Yeah. You know, you're in the editing for six months, you know. And so... Uh, and shooting-wise, you know, we shot 30 pages in two days. Yeah. Which is, you know, I mean, then 30 <laughs> yeah. years. It's, it's, it's a feature film in, uh, in, in, in four days. Yeah. Yeah. This That's is, awesome. So this is... Oh, dear God. <laughs> we called it... Uh, the people who are listening can't see that. No. They will you can't. send me that? I'll put it on the website. I will. I will. That's awesome. We uh, <laughs> the idea we were inspired by a... <laughs> absolutely that, well that was the reality of it but you know what okay so you, 
the people you'll, you'll see you'll see the, the picture. We we shot a, a a series called The Adventures of Fatty and Taddy. And it was based on a, a dude that we had seen at an airport in our travels who was covered head to toe in tattoos, facial tattoos, everything. And we were just watching him in the airport and like everybody had something to say about him. Little kids would walk by and like laugh at him. People, we couldn't stop staring. You couldn't <laughs> stop staring at this guy. And, he, he, you know, it turns out he was on our flight and he actually, I wound up sitting next to him, awesome. you know, and I'm looking back at Kevin like, oh my God, I'm back to the <laughs> tattoo guy. I'm, I'm terrified, you know? <laughs> turns out he couldn't be the, the nicest, he was the nicest guy in the world. You know, we talked about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We were on our way to Cleveland. He's talking about Simon and Garfunkel. I'm like, God. this dude is talking about <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> But so that's so, and we decided, okay, let's let's tell the story of this guy and his, you know, overbearing best friend who really pushes him around. Like this is a guy with low self-esteem, and he's got this, you know, this heavy-set, obnoxious friend who's an asshole. Yeah. Who's an asshole. And <laughs> the adventures of Fatty and Taddy. Right. Um, so I'm I'm covered. I was like 14 hours in makeup, getting covered in tattoos. <laughs> that's crazy. And we were shooting in my house, which is an additional level of stress. Right, of course. And uh, you have film crew in your house. Yeah, right. but tight budget, you know, 30 Loved pages it. over two mm-hmm. days. Yeah. And yet it was so goddamn awesome to do. That's great. You know, like, well, it must have felt it must have had that same DIY feel that you guys yeah. had when you first yeah. started. Yeah, absolutely. Like that energy. Yeah. Was absolutely, and the, the right. fun thing was also like, we know what we're doing now, as opposed to then. Right. And and all the crew people are were super professional people who've worked on our movies who were like, hey, come work with us for a day. Awesome. And they all know what they're doing, and yeah. they're friends with them. And so it was just a we had a blast doing That's it. That's great. You know. Yeah. Uh, where great. can people see it? It's well, cu- it's cutting now. Okay. Yeah. Kevin's cutting it now. Yeah. And then it's going to be uh, uh, on the YouTube channel Loud. Okay. Uh, which is a leftist channel, and uh, do you know when it's going to be uh, mid-May? And uh, you know, ideally, I mean, we, you know, we want to. Well, we've talked with Electus about it. You know, we want to shoot, you know, like a year's worth, like yeah. fifty, nice. and then ultimately maybe turn it into a TV show. Sure. Um, which is, you know, for us, it actually seems to be the most intelligent way to going about <laughs> that because it seems like as a writer, the less steps along the way that you can give somebody to yeah. fuck it up or to say no. Yeah, or to be that clear in your presentation of it. Absolutely, say, this is what it is. Look, yeah. here's three minutes of it. Yeah, if you if you just pitch an idea, it, there are a lot a lot of stops along the way for Absolutely. somebody to say like, ah, that's not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. If you give them a spec script, you you know you've eliminated that. They know right. what they're buying, but then you know if they shoot it and they see it, they're like, ah, that's not what I wanted. You show them this is it. <laughs> yeah, you know, they know what they're getting. Yeah. Leave it. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why isn't there a uh, Broken Lizard YouTube channel? I don't know. We've talked about that. Like it's it's the dinosaur thing a little bit. It is. It's so hard <laughs> to get us to rally. <laughs> like even like at one point we had a combined Twitter page, and I, I think you couldn't get anyone to, to do anything on it. <laughs> Just because we're lazy, guys, get yourself some assistance. I know that's what it comes down to. Some twenty-year-old interns take care of it for you. But that's the thing. It's like it's it's a combination of all these things. It's a rally, and then you fight it. You know, like Twitter. Twitter. I was like, Twitter. It sounds like what it is. Onomatopoeia. I'm like, that's how I regard that thing. Twitter. And then at some point, I'm like, all right, goddamn, I'm getting on Twitter. You know, because really, I think now you can't get you off Twitter. Oh, I love Twitter. Yeah, I love Twitter. I know. People, if you take nothing else from this. Uh, no, but that's it. Here's what's going to happen. Twitter. Then you start to see on Twitter, you're like, somebody's like, oh, a Vine? What the fuck is this Vine? And Tumblr, what is this? Oh, there's more of these things? Like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And then five years from now, somebody's going to be like, you really should be on Vine. You should get Vine exactly. and you should get Twitter and, or whatever the hell it is. And you're like, okay, I'll do it. All right. Uh, well, Kevin, Grandpa Steve, thank you guys. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you guys for yeah, being here. Now leaving Nerdist.com. What?